Welcome to Power Not Pity, a podcast all about the lives, love, struggle, and triumph of disabled people of color. Yes, we out here and we ain't going nowhere. I'm your host, Bri M, and this is all about passing the mic. This interview came a long time coming, many months coming, actually. It's obviously been a hard time for black people all over this country, and my struggle is no different than anyone else's right now. While I value the interview for what it is, I actually found myself wondering if it was even relevant anymore because of all the space that I had taken away from it. But then I came to the conclusion that of course it was. Black disabled triumph over the adversity of everyday life is always relevant and always necessary to pay attention to. Now that I've given you a little peek into my scattered thought process, I want to highlight all of the new Patreon supporters who have given me life over the past two months. What up, Claudia O? Hey, Gia. Hey, Maymay. Hey, Naomi. Bere, Leah, Natalie, Ashley, and Max. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. I actually cannot thank you enough. Thank you for keeping this Black, disabled, non-binary podcaster supported and grateful for your patronage. Special shout out to one of my earlier patrons, Sarah Slater. She increased her pledge a few weeks ago. Thank you so much, Sarah. It means the world to know that you support my work. I'm so happy that you feel called to support me even more during this time. Please know that with these pledges, I share half of it with my community through pledges to other Patreon accounts and making donations to organizations like Sins Invalid and the Marsha P. Johnson Institute. That's the way you do it, people. Spread those resources around. Patrons receive not only shoutouts, but extra access to the show through all new takeaway posts and videos. If you, dear listener, would like to become a patron of the show, just hit up my Patreon. That's patreon.com slash power not pity. Now let me tell you about this brother from the Bronx. Thomas Reed is a blind advocate and podcasting maverick. When I found out about Thomas's podcast through Twitter, I knew I had to get him on the show. Check it. He's been an advocate for blind folks for over 10 years now. And he knows a thing or two about changing conversations around what disabled folks really go through. Like minds, like hearts, right? Because his voice and his vision is so dope, I really wanted to share his perspectives with you. Read My Mind Radio, that's R-E-I-D, for those who don't know, is where you can find Thomas specifically sharing knowledge and wisdom to people who are new and adjusting to blindness. So we're going to talk about ableism, we're going to talk about his journey into adjusting to blindness, we're going to talk about disability in black spaces and being black in disabled spaces. And even how we both identify as aliens sometimes. All necessary conversations to have, right? I certainly think so. So I hopped on a call with Thomas, and here it is.
let's let's start with podcasting because you know we we vibe on that podcasting tip and i want to know more about how you started what your podcasts are and how you use audio to educate people about issues related to the blind community i wanted to start a podcast but i didn't know what i wanted to really talk about i knew i wanted to produce but i was like ah, i don't know what i wanted to do I started making stories that I thought people would want to hear that had to do with blindness. At first, I was like, you know, I don't think I always want to stick with blindness. I know I can do any type of story, right? But in disability and in blindness, it, it touches everything, right? Yeah. Because it's just a, a part of the human condition. It's the part of what we experience. So I got more comfortable with the idea of, of doing that. And that sort of became my podcast. So it started by me just sharing the pieces of what I was doing for this organization called Gatewave. And then I started also telling my own experience because I was doing certain things where I was traveling around and, and, and all of this. And I was like, you know what, I should tell, talk about some of these things that I'm experiencing. And so that's what it is now. It's, it's stories and profiles of compelling people impacted by all degrees of blindness, as well as my personal journey adjusting to being blind. So that's what it's all about. Audio was something I was interested in as a, I guess as a teenager, um, you know, growing up in the eighties like that in the seventies with, with hip hop emerging and all, I had dreams of being a DJ and an MC. I was a tabletop MC, you know, and I was the beat maker in the lunchroom and all of that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, but then, you know, growing up, especially back then, there was no idea that something like that would be able to be a career. I think I came back to audio when I lost my sight. So I got involved with an advocacy organization and started sort of disseminating information via audio. I started saying, well, you know what? I could use audio to capture a bunch of these moments. So I was really, really getting into it both for the advocacy and, and also for my personal, my personal life and just kind of playing around with it and really seeing what I could do and enjoy it. I was really using audio, both in my personal life to capture the moments with my kids, as well as I started to see, well, hey, I could, I could use this to pass information within the organization that I was affiliated with, which was the Pennsylvania Council of the Blind. Blind folks were doing podcasting in a sense for like years passing around audio cassettes you know what i'm saying so that nice. that's really people don't even think about it but that's really sort of an early early intro into uh, of podcasting i just really got into it i just really got into the whole the, the aspect of of writing you know um because that's the way i like to tell my stories i like to really kind of write them in advance and, and plot it out and i just kept kept doing it I mean, you've got that that kind of like hip hop spirit, right? Like always about yeah. the culture and always yeah. about like for us, you know, for us, by us. Mm -hmm. And I yeah. I love that spirit because that's what drives me too. When when I lost my sight, I was fortunate because I had some people, I met some people. I met one person in particular, and he and I got to bond over this loss. He, he was already a little more experienced with vision loss than I was. It was just on that level we could share. Now we were two black men, 
very similar. He had two daughters older than mine, right? He moved out to Poconos area. And so it was like, we had so much in common and it was just like really important to both of our adjustments. I don't think most people who have an acquired disability are going to be ready. I don't think so. And I don't think it's like, you know, I don't feel any shame about that or anything like that. Um, and I don't think we should. The same way it's like, you know, that there are so many people who, who now, you know, some people who I've spoken to, some people on my show too, like, like you know, they were born with a disability and really, you know, tried to either hide it or just felt some type of way about it. And, and then they came to learn. And to me, my lesson from that, it's not like it's a right or wrong. Like it's, it's the way in terms of how they feel because the person's, you know, how they feel is never about right or wrong. But it's like, it's, it's almost expected because, you know, this is what you're taught in the society. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. so if that's, if, how, how else are you going to feel unless you have a foot in that world and you're educated? I, I didn't even know the word, the term ableism. I never heard that term until after I lost my sight. And I, I, even years after that, it wasn't until I started to, to really do research on my own and start to read about disability that I came across that term. I had never heard that term before I became disabled either. Yeah. Because I just think that we're programmed to not know, you know. Mm -hmm. um, we're programmed to just um, overlook it because it's, it's seen as something negative. It's not about the person being disabled. It's about society disabling, right? Because but it's about the society not giving these opportunities, society not making it accessible. Society right. is what restricts, not the person's disability. Initially, no, it was that whole person first thing. Um, I, I was always okay with the word blind, but I probably didn't put it in front of anything else, right? So I wouldn't be a blind man. I was gonna be a man who was blind. I'm okay with someone saying a blind man because my definition changed. They're, I know their definition didn't change. Society's definition is still that same way that I looked at it back in the day. You know, oh, they only see me as being blind. And I know that's the case, that, that is the case, the way most people in society look at me, right? But I'm okay because I know that the blind part is just referring to the fact that I don't see. And there's no doubt about it. I do, I do not. <laughs> so, so, you know. A lot of people, will say your disability is not something that exists, right? Like, oh, I don't see you as disabled, but yo, I use a cane, like I'm obviously disabled. And <laughs> when people try to downplay it, it's almost like they're saying, we don't see your disability, so we don't see that part of you. We are trying to actually actively not see that part of you. I think every kind of decision that people make especially white people make around people, disabled people of color is political, right? And I think it's also impacted by like what you said before, society disabling us, 
it's really hard to combat that and it's hard to come to a different place of understanding about it just because it's yeah. it's it's the ways that people you know stereotype us and you know i'm just really um fascinated to hear that your journey has changed in so many different parts over the years yeah it's it's been a lot you know it's so much think there's so many things that i think as we get older we have to unlearn right i give people a pass because i don't think they know now if i tell you <laughs> you know what i'm saying <laughs> if i tell you and you do it again well see now we got a problem because yes. i already told you and now you specifically don't care yeah now i'm gonna take it personal now you don't want me to to play in this sandbox with you you want me to go over there to that other one or just stay in my corner and i don't like that that's that's not cool so yeah. I, I will give people a pass but i do think we're we're unlearning so much um and it, it's it's in all aspects of life like i'm i'm guilty of a lot of things that I shouldn't have done. You know what I'm saying? And I, and I know I still got them. You know, every now and then, you know, my daughter will be like, Daddy, you know, that's a little toxic masculinity coming from you. And I'm like, you know what? You're probably right. <laughs> you know what I'm, saying? <laughs> I'm like, you're right. You checked me on that. I appreciate it. But at least I'm open. I'm open to it, you know, and I know that I have to grow. So here's my favorite part of the interview. I'll let your ears be the judge, but it felt very Afrofuturistic to talk to him about this subject. Listen in as we talk about feeling like aliens. So here's a question for you. When I was on your show, you asked me what it meant to be an alien. I believe that we're all aliens in some way because we have so much um, experience and culture and, and like, struggle behind us that we're that we're able to survive anything we're we're more than human <laughs> so <laughs> i want to know more about what you feel is alien about you in in a good way i i guess in terms of being a black disabled person so i think when when i heard that when i heard you talk about that yeah i, I definitely identify with it it was just the 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 difference in terms of the idea of an alien and, and the traditional quote unquote idea of an alien from outer space. Right. So we know nothing about number one. Okay. So let, let's say we, let's say we start with the premise that yes, they exist. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if, if people just start, start there, but we know nothing about what their lives mean. We know what we, how we interpret it. Right. We know how we might, you know, imagine it to be, but we don't know what it truly is. And that to me is like a definition about how, how people look at disability. They know nothing about, so people assume that my life is a certain way. And, and those things were evident very early on in my blindness. You know, I remember I asked where the bathroom was at this location and a family member, um, not immediate family, was like, oh, I think asked my wife or somebody else I was with or something like that, uh, do I need to take him 
uh, does he need help? And I'm like, bruh, I just asked you where it was. I ain't asked you for none of that. And why are you not talking to me? So it was like, what the hell do you think my life is like? Because I can't see like you, you know me like, like <laughs> what does that mean that you're going to help me? Like, I don't even want to go into what that could mean. It's those things that make me feel like, well, what the heck? Like, what do I look like now? Like, do I look that different? I do feel like an alien sometimes because that's the way people treat me. Now, now the dope thing about it that I guess I could say is, is, you know, aliens, a lot of times when we do think we say we, we do think like, yo, they got some they got some crazy UFO science. You know, what I'm saying? It's, it's like, what, what do they have? Oh, oh. And I think sometimes I think, yeah, sometimes I do feel like I got some crazy UFO science, you know, because. Because of that whole idea of, of adaptations and, and that way of thinking. And I feel like, yeah, I got a little something more than, and you don't know about it. It's my secret, I guess, because you don't really want to know about it because you want to keep thinking, you know, your nonsense about disability, about blindness. So I, I guess I'll just hold on to my secret. But if somebody want to know, I'm more than willing to talk to them about it and share it. This is where things get real. We're already on the topic of being marginalized by how we choose to identify. We've already got our UFO science. But now, here's our conversation about how we are marginalized by something we cannot choose. Our skin color. Here's where we discuss what it's like to be in disabled spaces as black people. And what it's like in the opposite situation. Being disabled while in communion with our people. Do you feel as though when you're in blind spaces, like you're in blind community, do you feel like you have to maybe separate your blackness out? Or when you're in black community, do you feel like you often have to separate your blindness out? Because that's been my experience. Like when I'm in mm. disabled community, you know, at times I feel like I have to be one or the other. So yeah. I want to know if you have the same experience. Yeah, I, I feel like the communities, the way you describe them, I think that they, they would prefer that. I think both, both of those. So if I'm in a, a blind event that actually probably doesn't have a lot of Black people, I think they would prefer that I don't, you know, bring up anything that is... Uh, too black, <laughs> too strong. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and and yes, around black folks, um, around people of color in general, I think they would prefer, and and even not even people of color, just around able able bodied people, right? Yeah. I feel like they would prefer that I don't bring up anything disability related. Like, there's never really a response. I think that. People do, able-bodied people hear the word disability, whatever it is, and you can go into specific ones, it doesn't matter. I think their first reaction is, number one, that's not me if they have no disability, they have no connection to it. That's not me. You know, they, there's a fear of it, right? Yeah. I think that that occurs, right? They have that. And so they don't, they don't go there. It's just like, no, that's, that's not for me. Right. Anything about disability, it's not for me. But like, I think that's what, like, even with my podcast, like, I'm, 
you know, I might tell people, hey, you should check it out. Like I put it on, let's say I put it on my Facebook, you know, and it's only the people who have connection with me or they might have a relationship to disability. But other folks are like, no, I think that's for them and that's not for me. But meanwhile, there are all of these connections, there are all these lessons, life lessons, human lessons that, that folks could be getting that, that do start with disability, but they don't end there. They do start with disability, but they don't end there. That's such a powerful statement. I wanted to go back to the ideas that we were talking about in terms of space and tolerance versus inclusion. What if you're with community that you think will be accepting of you, yet you find out that they're just as weird about your disability as the rest of the world? What would you do? Would you call them out or would you accept it for what it is? Thomas once had to ask himself versions of these very questions, but he had a particularly bold way of dealing with them. I was invited to a party by a friend. It was their party. They invited me, went to the party. I swear I felt like they sat me in this corner and was basically like, you know, you stay here because, you know, it was like, like, and, and yeah, there's things that I could have done, but again, I was new to blindness, so I wasn't that comfortable yet in 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 really, you know, being uh, forward thinking about learning the space so I could navigate it and stuff like that, right? So I kind of went okay. there thinking that it was going to be that safe space where, oh, if I need to find this or, you know, people going to help me do this or get me there. Or, you know, I'm going to be involved. I'm going to be in the group. I swear I felt like they, they sat me in this corner. And, and that was it. And just came, you know, I was with my wife, but it was like, you know, we're just going to check up on y'all. You know, they didn't say it, but that was, that was what they did. It was like, I was just in this corner and I remember just being there and just, you know, so me and my wife, we hanging, we doing what we doing. But then it was like, let's leave. Let's leave. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that was from, that was from a friend. You know what I'm saying? And that hurt. That really hurt. Yeah. And I swear, I'm like, I, w- I won't go to another party. Now, I, you know, we never had, but I don't even feel comfortable where I could have that conversation with that person because I'll have it. I'm just like, you know, I'm just going to make the choice. I'm not going to put myself in that situation. Or if I did, I'll probably be, you know what? I'll probably be extra blind with it. Like, I'm going to walk all around that place. My king going to be out. You know, ta, 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 I'm walking all around. I'll be like, damn, won't this brother sit down? I'll be like, no, I'm not sitting down. I'm And I'm not collapsing my cane. It's just, I'm just going to be extra blind with it. That's what I mean by that. But it's like, you know what I'm saying? Just, just yeah. like comfortable. Like, if that's how, you know, don't put me in no corner. But like, why should I hide? Like, why are you hiding me? You know, you invited me here. Why did you invite me if you want to hide me? I think the reaction sometimes from other black people about my disability, um, I find it interesting because I can't, like I would think more black people would be comfortable, but I don't know why I would think that. You know what I mean? I I would think that would be a a safer space for me um, when I'm amongst my people but it doesn't necessarily work out that way all the time. And not that it, not that I get anything extra, like any extra negativity, but maybe it's just that, maybe that hurts a little bit more. 
when it comes from the thing. And, and you know, in, in a way, it's like, I don't know about your experience, but with, with mine, I find it more challenging dealing with family than I do with strangers. I would think it would be a more comfortable environment, but it doesn't always necessarily work out that way. So here's a clip of Thomas talking to his older daughter, Rihanna, about her experience with his blindness. I asked both of my daughters to give some advice to a little girl who was experiencing what they did as a child of a parent who becomes blind. People just don't know stuff. They're trying to learn because they've never seen it before. I don't even mean a blind person. That can be anything. I stare at things sometimes. You might stare at things. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I get it. I'm talking to that little girl. Oh, okay. I'm saying that like she might stare at things too. Everybody stares. What do you think the difference is between a normal stare and a stare that becomes intrusive? When you stare too long or when you're staring at people just doing regular things. Let's say your father has like a guide dog. You're looking, you're looking at the guide dog. You're like, okay, this is interesting. This is new. Well, maybe I'll Google this. And then you stop staring. But when you're just staring at a person, if you literally turn the tables, that would make you uncomfortable. Stop doing that. You have every right to take it personally, but don't. Don't let it hurt you because you have to understand that it's all on the person and not your father or your mother who lost their sight. And that's a really big thing to learn. And I know for a fact I knew that when I was younger, but I did not know how to communicate that to you, Daddy, because sometimes I felt like you thought you did say that, that I was embarrassed by you, but I wasn't. I was just annoyed by people. That's literally been me since day one. I don't like when people stare at anybody. When we go to all white places like the diner and I would get mad that people stare and people were not staring because you were blind. People were staring because we were black and that makes me mad. <laughs> like, but I'm not embarrassed. I'm serious, but I'm not embarrassed to be black. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm no just doubt. like, that gets on my nerves when people are so intrusive. I can be quiet and shy, but I do have a very strong opinion on almost everything in life. So I sometimes want to communicate that opinion to these people. Like, stop looking. Like, if you want to learn more, YouTube. Like, there's literally the whole entire internet for you to learn. Or if you want to learn more, come talk to him. Like, ask him some questions that are not offensive. You know what I mean? Like, think before you say. So that's what I was telling to the girl. Like, if you really, truly have a problem and they're really staring, you can go up there and talk to them. Say, like, hey, if you ask a question, you can come up and talk to my father or my mother. But if you're not going to ask a question, stop staring because you got a phone. Got a phone as in you can Google it. There's computers. If you don't I have a phone you. or a computer, there's a local library. Like, come on. Welcome back. I hope you appreciated that little clip of Thomas's show, a celebration of living and loving blind. That last part always cracks me up. <laughs> Adaptation is just so, uh, I think it's so unique because mm -hmm. people are programmed to just do what they're told, right? In society. Yeah. But we decide ourselves that no, we're gonna do things our way because it's easier for us doing it our way instead of trying to fit in your box, right? Yeah. So yeah. like, Imagine if the world was optimized for blind people. What would that look like? Okay, so before the, the iPhone came out, blind people had to spend more money than the phone itself to, to get a screen reader 
on their phone. So there were some available, but the screen reader, the software itself cost a couple hundred dollars, right? When you look at a computer on a Windows machine, the, the screen reader, at a time there was when there was only like one or two available, they were way more expensive, like a thousand dollars for just the screen reader, okay? So what Apple did is that they built it right in. So they made using a smartphone a more accessible experience. So we can just pick up the phone. I don't have to go somewhere special. I don't have to go to one little section of the store. I don't have to go to, I don't have to come in through the back door. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't have to do that just to get what I need. I can come in the front door. I can go to the same thing that everybody else is looking at, pick it up off the shelf, boop, 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 and now it works for me. That, that's what the world would look like. Like I could, I could access material. It wouldn't be just, you know, if I want to go to a restaurant and, you know, I'm, I can't read the menu. I got to ask somebody to read the menu for me, or I got to, you know, take that. There should be alternatives. I could go into a menu and say, oh, you know, we got Wi-Fi. Just boom, boom, jump on our, our website and we have the, the menu there. That's fine. Or, yeah. boom, hey, we have, here's our, here's our menu. It's on an iPad. And we, turn, we turned on voiceover for you and they just hand me the menu. Like, it would just be an accessible place. Right, right. That tactile, that ability to touch and to feel something mm -hmm. gives you so much information. I'm talking about using that cane and having that cane touch the wall and so you can kind of orient yourself to the wall. Now, to sighted people, and I understand this, it doesn't look pretty because to sighted people, it looks as though when that cane is making contact with something, right? Especially if you're like in a building and you're walking and you, and you, you know, you're hitting and you, you tap on the wall. Right. Okay. So now to, to some people, they're like, oh, wait, you're about to lock into something. You're about to bump into something, right? Um, well, no, I know because I just tapped it. I know it's there. So now I know how to adjust or whatever I need to do. Here's my last question for you. Uh, since the show is called Power Not Pity, right? Um, power, power. Power, power, power. <laughs> I usually ask people at the end, like, yo, what's your power? What's your disabled mm -hmm. power? What is the thing that gives you the most agency in your disability? I think, I think it is that ability to adapt. You know, um, for the last 15 years, it's, it's such a part of how I think. You couldn't stop me. You see what I'm saying? You couldn't stop me just because I couldn't get around. There's other ways, and that's because adaptations. And that, to me, is a superpower. So I don't know what that makes me, but I, I, I'll take it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that makes you Thomas Reed. If you make it out of here without disability in your life, I think it's a part that you miss because it teaches you something about yourself and other people. And now I know people are going to be like, oh, this brother's crazy. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I really, I really do feel that. And I wouldn't have said that before. But I really do feel that now. Whew. What an interview. Thomas, I'm so honored that you could be so vulnerable in sharing your story. Thank you so much for coming on the show. 
They're such similar stories despite our age difference, and it's really refreshing to hear that strength can develop in the midst of all this change. We need to hold stories about disabled people of color who are making it through the storm. When Thomas said that disability showed him how to adapt, I immediately resonated with it. That's something you miss if you don't become disabled at some point in life. It's all about the ability to be empathetic. And because as you adjust to the idea of living with a disability, your worldview changes. You start to see the injustices our community faces, and you might be angry on the regular. You'll learn how to survive by using Thomas's disabled power, adaptation. Thomas is surviving through this time with the same ability to pivot that I do. We are living in times of peril, times in which a lot is unknown. Many able-bodied people are finally learning about what it means to use accessible means to carry on life in a radically different way. But this all begs the question, will people continue to use these current methods when the nation opens up? And going even further, will those of us who move through the world differently be taken seriously and at face value instead of being seen as inadequate? Disabled people of color deserve employment, reliable and adequate healthcare, and safe housing. All of these things can come to fruition, but it takes the power of imagination. None of us are free until all of us are free, especially Black disabled folks. Say it with me. Black disabled lives matter. Yes, Black disabled lives matter. Again, thanks so much for coming on the show, Thomas. If you like that little clip of Read My Mind Radio and you want more TS flavoring your ear, check out Thomas's podcast at www.readmymind.com. All the episodes and transcripts are there. That's R-E-I-D mymind.com. And his handle on Twitter is at Yes, read. If you like the show and want to give more support for an independent and princely podcast producer, take a look at my Patreon account. Also, check out my website at www.powernotpity.com. Thank you to Nanad Simic for the intro and outro music. My website also has past episodes and transcripts for each episode, including this one. Check out my social media as well. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at the handle at PowerNotPity. I got to meet Brian. That's right. Not pity, 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 pity. Yeah.